Welcome once again to the Irish NFL Show, uh, brought to you in association with our partners at Cassidy Travel. Uh, I'm Mark Cockrell. Uh, I suppose I'll play Porthos this evening. And Athos and Aramis are with me, as we're only three musketeers. Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary, good to see you, gents. How are you doing? Very well, Mark. Looking forward to another intriguing weekend. And hopefully, maybe we've all learned some lessons given what has happened over the, the past couple of weeks between the Bears shocking your Patriots, the Steelers shocking the Bucks, and the Panthers, I think, which might have been the biggest uh, surprise of all. So nobody, I, I don't, when, when we talk about locks of the week, you're tossing a coin, I feel. Well, there's the lock of the week at Wembley on Sunday, uh, Colin. You know, maybe the Broncos might shock you and get a win on Sunday. Maybe that might be the, the shock of the weekend. Look, um, I don't know if you're at the halfway point. Mark alluded to, to it on last night's show that it was like the halftime on this Sunday's games. But we are getting into a, a, a serious period of the season now where we're going to see teams start to push on, potentially make their way towards the playoffs. A lot of intriguing games to get through this weekend. I'm looking forward to Seeing the selections is always is always a, a torn up when we get together and make picks for games. Very, very true, Brian. There's always a shock or two on the way. There'll be no shocks for the Chargers or Chiefs. They are on a bye this week. And for those of you, if you want to check out our picks for Thursday Night Football and our podcast on Thursday Night Football, you'll find that on YouTube, on uh, Twitter, and all our normal podcasts uh, surrounding. So uh, that's the Ravens and Bucks game. However, we are going to talk about all the games at the weekend other than the Broncos and Jags because there'll be a special show uh, live from Wembley covering that where we'll be seeing two teams with uh, 66% combined of the wins that the New York Giants have, yet 10 times the number of losses combined the New York Giants have. So we look forward to that matchup with uh, bated breath. You need to ring the alarms for one other reason. This is a public service announcement. Remember, clocks go back. Games will kick off at 5 p.m. this week. So don't uh, be mislaid. Don't tune into Red Zone at 5 to 6 and wonder why the games are already gone on. It happens to an NFL fan every year. Don't be that fan. You know, this is this is a public service announcement brought to you by the Irish NFL show. Um, gents, even with the early starts, even with a couple of games already covered, we've got plenty of games to cover. Let's start with the NFC South at 5 p.m. Panthers at the Falcons. Um, you know, Colin, we've got some teams with some bad records going along here. We've got one matchup between two teams with winning records. This is the two and five Panthers going into the three and four Falcons, who are joint top of the NFC South. So can't be all that bad. Uh, in, indeed, uh, they are. And I saw a great tweet during the week that said, imagine if Calvin Ridley didn't get suspended. The, the Falcons would have Calvin Ridley, Drake London and Kyle Pitts not to throw the ball to because everything they do is run, 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 despite an incredible array of pass catchers. They throw it 13 times uh, in their last game. Um, I think they might need to find a bit more balance than that, given the quality of the pass catchers that they have. Uh, PJ Walker is going to be starting for the, the Panthers, which, uh, you know, quite telling of, I think, what um, the new coaching 
staff there thinks of perhaps Baker Mayfield and, and Sam Darnold, and I imagine there will be quite the turnover um, of players uh, in the offseason for the Panthers. I, I am amazed. If that report that the Panthers turned down two firsts for Brian Burns, if that is true, I, I'm amazed that they would turn down a haul like that. As good a player as he is, but two firsts is quite something. I I don't think the Panthers will be able to catch the Falcons the way in which they were able to catch the Bucks. I think that was the epitome of a blasé attitude and expecting things to just go go well. And then once um, Evans dropped that ball, it was downhill from there. Um, I I do think the the Panthers will be better than they were under Matt Rule, but I think the the Falcons. Um, under Arthur Smith will eke out a victory in in this one and uh, Marcus Mariota and his merry men uh, will continue to sit atop the division. Yeah, I mean, the storyline last week was all about the Brady and the books and how disappointing they were in terms of the performance against the Panthers. And PJ Walker probably didn't get the credit he deserves for people who, like myself, who watched the XFL before during, before it was... Lockdown during COVID, um, he was really one of the most efficient quarterbacks. He's going. This is now his tour game. He's starting. They're they're talking him up this week. They're praising him. His pocket presence, his toughness. He's got all the attributes to be a, a quarterback in the league. And last week he was 177 yards, two touchdowns. But I'm not buying it because we saw him play against the Rams. We saw where I think Colin Calder last week. He had one yard in the passing offence and we've seen the struggles last year when he did step in for a number of games when Sam Darnold was injured. I was looking at the points in which the Panthers have scored this season. They've they've averaged 17 points a game on offence. The fact the two wins they've had is when they've gone over the 20 marker. 22 against the Saints, 21 last week. And I just don't think, if, as, as up and down as the Falcons' defence has been, I think the, the Falcons' defence will find a way to keep him in check and as Colin says, it's Falcons offense, it's run orientated, it's Mariota with the run pass option. They've got the running backs doing a very efficient job. And if they do go into the passing game, in fairness, Kyle Pitts is getting more involved. So they've got the players there to win the game. It's at home. I'll go Falcons as well to win this game and go back to 500 at 4-4. Four and four. Guys, guys, where's the romance? Where's the dreaming? Where's the fantasy and everything? Like the the Panthers, let's, let's just imagine this. Just go with me for a second, right? Thursday night football, the the Bucks, as the three of us all picked, lose to the Ravens, so they're on three and five, and the Panthers go into Atlanta to Mercedes Benz and they win this game. The Panthers vault to the top of the NFC South as they'll have the tiebreakers. They'll be on three and five at leading the division after everyone's written them off. And it's like the Princess Bride. It's a fantasy story. Like, I mean, they've beaten Fezzik the Giant, a very slow and lumbering Bucks team last week. This week, they're going against Inigo Montoya. And, you know, maybe Inigo Montoya and uh, Marcus Mariota and his merry men, as you so aptly put it, Colin, decides to fight left-handed and decides, you know, they're not going to switch to the right hand at any point during the way. I want to I want to imagine for Panthers fans and what they've gone through in the last while. I mean, they've been told that Baker Mayfield is their savior. They've gone through the the hurt and the pain of Matt Rule's regime. They're now in full-blown fire sale at least on offense for sure, and they're seeing C-Mac obviously the you know, the face of the franchise in many respects been traded to, to the the 49ers. Um they need a bit of hope. They need something to dream of. I don't think they're going to catch them. But I'm going to just go with 
joy. I'm going to go with surprise. I'm going to go with the unexpected. And I'm going to imagine that the Carolina Panthers, which I didn't predict, obviously, against the Buccaneers, are going to somehow find a way to sprinkle some fairy dust on this season and are going to end the day on Sunday on top of the NFC South and beat the Atlanta Falcons. Don't you remember what it was like to dream? Let's just dream for them for a second. Um, Daring daring to dream. Michael McQuaid is is not daring to to dream. He is going with uh, the, the Falcons. Mark, you, you, Mark, sorry, your, your dreaming scenario, there, you're reminding me, you, you call it out time and time again, how year in, year out, when the Giants are having poor seasons, oh, I come up with all these little permutations and scenarios as to how they're going to win the division. You're starting to sound like that now, um, only you're doing it for the Panthers. Uh, hey, someone, someone's got to stand up for those poor kitty cats. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um, standing up for a team as well. Next game we're going to look at tonight, gents. Bears versus the Cowboys. Two teams coming off um, great uh, Week 7 wins. We really don't have to talk much about the Bears win, if you're okay with that. Like, I mean, we just gloss over that complete annihilation of the Patriots on Monday Night Football. I'm, I'm good if you don't feel the need to talk about it at all. Just, just suggesting, throwing it out there. But... You know, Bears, Cowboys finally finding use for Justin Fields. Cowboys finally getting their franchise quarterback back on the field as well. Colin, how do you see this one going the weekend? Um, my biggest hope for this game is that Justin Fields gets the protection he deserves. Because in a season where we have seen some of the most ridiculous roughing the passer calls, every single week feels gets smashed in the head he gets taken down at the the knee it is insane the hit he took he got absolutely crushed between two patriots players the other if that had been tom brady um the, the cops would have been on the field um to to arrest the the two pass rushers it would have it would have made the devonta adams stuff look minor it is ridiculous um how he he gets treated and he is going to to need it at the, the weekend because going up against a cowboys defense that is merciless um they they are fantastic and dan quinn keeps finding new ways and what's been you know we talked about it a bit last year and we've seen it again this this year he keeps evolving and he this is not the dan quinn of old this is dan quinn going against what we his previous instincts um and every week they're they're impressive and even um you know it's not only the michael parsons show we've seen Diggs actually grow into becoming a better player last year he was completely boom or bust this year he's a lot more uh, steady and has been um seriously impressive we talked about it a little bit on last night's show. I like what the Bears did with Justin Fields against the, the Patriots. I hope we see a lot more design runs. Um, I think that would um, really help him, and I hope he can go on to become uh, a true franchise QB. But um, I still think that they are limited, so I'm going to go with the Cowboys to, to win this one. But I think the Bears' um, offense um, it is something that I may be looking at as a Broncos fan and going, hmm, I dare to dream. Well, Colin was talking about the rough treatment that uh, Justin Fields has been getting throughout the course of this season and last season. And I'll, I'll call another game out you. And it was last season, the Monday Night Football, when they went into Pittsburgh. 
and he was manhandled in that game and there was flags not given and there was uproar after that game. For some reason, he seems to be the fall guy when it comes to this decision. As you said, bear in mind what we saw of last weekend in particular, where some of the play players by the flags, but the referees was, was really poor. Um, my intriguing part for this game is the Cowboys' offense because everybody expected Dak Prescott last week to come back and line it up against the Lions' defense, which, which has been quite weak. And having spoke to a couple of Cowboys fans, they play the same methodical offense in which we saw under Cooper Rush. They feel now that Mike McCarthy has recognized they don't need to be on with an expansive offense. They've got the defense to win them games. Let's just not put ourselves in a position where we're causing ourselves harm on the offensive side of the ball. Where I see this game being won for the Cowboys is on the run game. The Bears are averaging 149 yards per game, giving up against the run. Zeke Elliott is actually having a better season than people than people think. He's been really efficient. He played well last week, played well in Philadelphia week two. Um, he came back into the game last week and haven't been injured. So for me, it's a Cowboys win. I still think we will see an improvement from the Bears' offense. I think Colin, you're right. I think they've recognized now that there is other attributes to the game in which Justin Fields provides that they haven't been utilising properly, but ultimately I don't think it'll be enough to beat this Cowboys team in particular, the fact that it's at home in Dallas. So Cowboys win and roll on to six and two for me. To sleep, perchance the dream, I there's the rub. The reality, as Shakespeare so eloquently put it, is that uh, dreams are mostly associated with sleep. And whilst I might be able to dream on behalf of the Carolina Panthers, I can't dream on behalf of the Chicago Bears because what we'll be seeing is that Monday night was a mere mischievous dream and spirits dancing around their heads. And ultimately, this team will be found out. They're found out on a regular basis on their offensive line. And this Cowboys team has already proved that when they're up against a poor offensive line, see Rams, Los Angeles, they will absolutely dominate and decimate them. The attacks can come from anywhere. Micah Parsons is just a nuisance, frankly, uh, but they've got uh, strength all along that defensive line. Now, if the offensive line can hold up and, um, you know, you don't, uh, you can potentially exploit some gaps in their secondary. Uh, Diggs also will make his interceptions, but he also can be beaten as well, as he proved in his rookie season and he's proven again this year. I just don't think the Bears have the downfield threats. I don't think that they will be able to pull the same trick twice uh, in terms of, you know, refining their run game and obviously in a very wet... Actually, sorry, let me clarify this. If it rains for the rest of the season, the Bears have a chance. Every time it rains, they win. Rain rain heavily in week one against 49ers, they won. Rained heavily on Monday Night Football, they destroyed the Patriots. Um, you know, this... That's what they need. They need to do a rain dance, basically. It's not going to rain in Texas on Sunday. It's not going to rain at Jerry World. The Cowboys are going to win this game. Brian, you got a point. Yeah, wasn't Belichick due to break a record there on, on Monday night to Hallis? The fact that I might have brought that up the week before, doesn't it? Yes, if he had won, he would have overtaken George Hallis, the longtime yeah. Chicago Bears so coach, for the second most regular and postseason wins in the NFL. Yeah. Not only did it, did it rain in the game, they rained on his parade, you could say. Boom. Yeah, and and we we talk about the uh, the Bears, and we talked about the seventy two Dolphins, the eighty five Bears. The only team they lost to during the regular season were the eighty five Miami Dolphins, who maintained that perfection streak and everything. So you know, sometimes when the NFL sets these things up, it doesn't quite pan out how they would like it to be. Um, Cowboy, Colin, Cowboys, Cowboys fans, if you are to have one concern, it is that all four of us have gone for the Cowboys because 
Michael is uh, on on board the Jerry train as well, and uh, that put, should uh, should perhaps concern Cowboys fans a little. But Colin, that surprised me a little because Michael has been so positive about the Bears all season that picking against them just it doesn't sound like him. It doesn't sound like him at all. Okay, moving swiftly on, a team that's just getting back its quarterback against a team that might have had a quarterback that suddenly lost its way, lost his way altogether once more. The four and three Miami Dolphins are going up against the the one and five Lions, who seem to have played better than that record, but certainly haven't played anything near deserving that um, deserving any better record the last couple of weeks. Um, Column, can they reboot that offense? And my God, have they done anything to improve that defense yet? Um, la- last week there were signs of life on on the defense. You know, they they certainly uh, early on they really frustrated the the Cowboys, and it seemed that they had used the bye to to make changes. Unfortunately, the offense then uh, struggled. This is a, an interesting one. You could sound the re- revenge klaxon because obviously Dan Campbell once upon a time was the interim head coach of the Dolphins. And get this, in his 12-game uh, stint there, he won more games. He won five games. Uh, so he actually has a better winning record with the Dolphins than he currently has um, with the the Lions. Um, yeah, look, th- I, I would. you'd love to see it work for Dan Gamble and for the Lions. I mean, talk about a long-suffering franchise. You know, people talk about Detroit being the factory of sadness for a reason. And there was a lot of excitement and, and hope uh, in the off-season, and we all enjoyed hard docs and, you know, some of the, the memes that came out of that. But the product on, on the field was super exciting uh, through the, the first few weeks up until they ran into the Patriots. But it's it at some point they, they just have to get, you know, get a win um and and really um put down a performance. For me though, with Tua back, it's difficult to see them getting that against the, the Dolphins. I think they'll cause the Dolphins problems given the Dolphins injuries. But I think with Tua in there, this is a game the Dolphins should win. The Lions' offense is a bit Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, the games at home, once they've lost them, they've been very explosive on offense. I mean, they're averaging 30 points a game at home, and then they go on the road, and, and we called it, we felt that they could win to Foxborough. Well, most of us called it in terms of we felt that they could get a shutout in Foxborough. It happened, and it wasn't very, it wasn't much better last week. But they did play well for last week for, last week for large parts of the game, and the Cowboys got away from them in the fourth quarter. I'm not enamored by the Dolphins offense I know Waddle and Hale and they've got all the great stats and they're picking up a lot of yards and yak and yards after the catch but then I looked at the points in which they put up this season with the exception of the game in Baltimore which was a, a miraculous fourth quarter comeback where they put up 28 unanswered points six, 21 in week one against um, the Patriots 16, 16, 17 15 and then sorry and then there was one game with a 20 they haven't put up a lot of points which leads me to believe that this game will be one of those that the Lions can hang around in and I'm going to go with the Lions I think they're going to find a way to shock us and I don't know if it's a massive shock but I think they'll find a way to turn turn them over Mark made the point there they're one of five but you could say for large parts of the season they've been very competitive in games to the very end and they should have won I'm going to run with the Lions Dan Campbell served as intermed coach with the with the Dolphins, he was the tight end coach there. He gets his revenge on his former team on Sunday. And 
the Lions will get their second win in the season. Well, the uh, surprise klaxon has been sounded uh, in, in relation to that. But at the same token, the Dolphins could be sounding some klaxons even after last week's performance. Yes, they got two back. But let's bear in mind, while they started the game against the Steelers looking a million dollars, like every drive was ending in points, they put a touchdown up, they scored, I think, 13 of their points in the first quarter. They didn't score all for the second half. Their defense, however, remained strong and kept the Steelers bottled up. And I don't think the Lions' offense is necessarily as bad as the Steelers, but they are dealing with their own injuries. Amonsa St. Brown was obviously brought out of the uh, Lions' last game as well. I'm not sure of his exact status at the time recording, but the reality is they're dealing with a few nicked-up people. They're, you know, they're on backups and a number of positions. They just don't have the depth to be able to absorb that. And I'm sorry, but again... Jared Goff has been ultimately found out. They've had a few wrinkles, which has relieved the pressure on him, given him the right opportunities. Defenses have adjusted. And once he gets found out, he's incapable. It's like the Titanic. He can't turn quickly enough uh, in relation to it. And whilst, um, let's keep the dream theme going, whilst the Sandman was finally made into a series, long-awaited, with the character Dream, uh, the famous uh, graphic novel by Neil Gaiman, after many years, it was made into uh, a TV series there recently by Amazon Prime. Um, the Lions fans are still waiting for their team to be made into an actual Super Bowl contender as they remain one of four teams who have never even made the Super Bowl. Um, it's not changing this season, to be sure. It's also not changing this game. Dolphins will have too much for me. I'm very firmly on the Dolphins to start to click again with Tua's return and everything. So, yeah, they move to five and three. They keep that AFC East extremely competitive for me. Brian, okay, Brian is Brian is a, a lone wolf uh, in, in this one because Michael is uh, going for the Dolphins. All right, good. Very good. Well, look, we're going to wrap up this segment of the podcast and we'll continue on with some other games in a second. So to kick off this next segment of the podcast, Cardinals, three and four Cardinals at the five and one Vikings. And, you know, Conor, it's hard to say that we know what to expect from the Cardinals these days. I mean, they came out with an amazing, amazingly surprising performance on Thursday Night Football, albeit fueled by uh, two Andy Dalton gifts, two pick sixes within about 60 seconds of each other. Um and to be sure that, you know, we, we looked at the Vikings in detail. We interviewed my, uh, Kevin Connell during the uh, offseason. But no, I don't think we actually predicted that they would be here coming off the bye. Five and one, you might have given them credit for. You wouldn't necessarily have given them credit or believed that they would have an effective three-game lead in the division, given they've got the tiebreaker and Green Bay's poor start to the year. Um, you've got Randy Moss hanging in the background, Colm. How are you feeling about the Vikings this weekend? Not actually Randy Moss, a Randy Moss jersey, just to be clear. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that'll, be, that'll be something. Randy Moss just uh, hang, hanging out. He had to uh, rent a room because he couldn't deal with the Dublin property prices. Um, this is, yeah, I think obviously they hold quite the, the lead in the division, a lot of that down to just how poor the the pack the packers have been it'll be very interesting to see how they come back off the 
buy. Um, and right now, when you see the injury reports, the, the cards are quite the extensive injury report. The Vikings listed one player on their uh, injury report. So uh, that could be something to, you know, uh, keep an eye on. The The cards do not like going to the Great White North. They have lost their last 10 games in Minnesota. You have to go all the way back uh, to 1977. Um, for them to uh, get get a, a victory there, um, this again, the, yeah, this this is too well. Historically, Jekyll and Hyde for the Vikings, but this card side, you just you don't know what they're what they're going going to be, and a lot of that I think is down to the coach, the head coach who. You know, I half the time I don't know what he's doing. Like we saw Kyler Murray arguing with him on the um, side of the field again the the other night, and D Hop kind of getting involved to keep that um, from spilling over. Um, for for me, I suppose one of the things the Cards have been really good at this year, though, is takeaways. And the talked mark about the Andy Dalton um, giving them the the two gimmies. Usually, Kirk Cousins doesn't do that. Usually, he's actually pretty safe with the ball, unless when he does uh, throw an interception, it tends to be some of the worst. I think his his one that he threw against the Bears in December last year might be the worst um, interception I have ever seen, and that includes Peterman for the uh, the Bills when he had that game where he threw five. But um, yeah, five that was quite something. But um, Kirk Cousins against the Bears, I. I don't I trust Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson a little bit more than I do the cards. This is one again though, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the cards finally break that streak and, and get it. But I'm going to say that Kevin O'Connell and Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins move to six and one. At some stage we have to have faith in this Vikings team. Mark obviously says don't pack the Vikings or don't pick the Vikings because you'd always get it wrong. But they're getting it right this season, and Connor was due to, due to the freshness of the team coming back. Um, Mark Hogan, who does a lot of our social media work, he does a number of podcasts for us during the week, Big Gardens fan, had a nice content piece with Jason Hayes, who writes a number of articles for the show last week, and they're both Cardinals fans, and they both spoke so disappointingly around the fact that the offense this year has stuttered, and Cliff Kingsby doesn't want to give up plays, and we saw that last week again around some of the play calling, and Connor touched on the fact that you know, things aren't well there. Kyle Murray is not happy with his with his head coach. Things are they were quite aggressive towards one another. And you, Mark, you talked about how they rebounded last week, but then like how much of it was down to the Saints' defense struggles and the pick sixes that kind of chose an extra forty eight points. I don't see this any other way than a than a Vikings win. I'm looking at Cousins' numbers. I mean, he's fifteen hundred yards and he's had his bye week. He's had nine touchdowns and okay, he's had five interceptions. I can't believe I'm saying it because. I've been so negative on the guy for so long, but he he seems to be finally settling down and he's playing efficient football for them. And they've got the playmakers at home, Cook, Jefferson. I don't think the Cardinals can live with them, bearing in mind how, how much their offense has been off this season. And I don't buy into the fact that it rebounded last week. I was looking at the point scores in terms of what the Vikings have put up. 24, 29, 28, 28. Three games in a row with averaging around 27, between 27 and 30 points. Can you genuinely see the Cardinals going in and putting up those points? Numbers, not for me. Vikings. Vikings in a blowout. So I didn't realise this now. Like, I mean, we've got 
Cardinals podcast going on. We've got Broncos podcast going on. Lads, I'm just I'm just calling up Bill Belichick. I'm recording something next week just on the Patriots. Like, I mean, you know, we just, just need to balance this out a little bit, right? But um, look, Brian, you're being sucked in. And I'm going to explain to you, this is the typical honey trap going on. She looks like the woman of your dreams, but really she's a double agent <laughs> for the Russians, uh, the KGB. You, you're being sucked in. That's what the Vikings are. They're sucking you in yet again. They suck us in every year. It's like everything looks right. Everything looks like it should work. Everything looks like it should be perfect. I, I'm going to just reiterate, again, another public service announcement for the benefit of any listeners or watchers of the Irish NFL show. If you are thinking about putting money on gambling in any way, shape, or form, please don't just gamble responsibly. If it involves the Minnesota Vikings, do not do it. I beg of you, please do not do it, because it will always end in tears. Um, even in the greatest moments when we thought, no, definitely, definitely they're going to fall apart here, they pull out a win out of nowhere. When we think they're on the right track, um, they somehow manage to spirit a loss out of thin air. This could be that game. This doesn't have trap game written all over it for me. This has the, This is one they're going to mess up. This is one they're going to somehow throw away yet again. And maybe it's the Cardinals with uh, the connection between Murray and D-Hop uh, coming back, having the wrong, wrong, no, wrong some of the rust off. Yeah, wrong, wrong, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Got rid of some of the rust. That's what I'll say. Um, and... The many times against the Saints, though, they did look more impressive. The the thing that would worry me from a Cardinals fan is just how actually porous their defense looked on Thursday Night Football and continues to look. They've got gaps there. And so if I'm really honestly at analyzing this, the Vikings offense should be able to exploit that. Um, somehow, some way, in my heart of hearts, I think the cards are going to come up on another piece of a Hail Murray magic and sneak away with a win here. But don't put money on it. Please don't put money on it. The Vikings will win this by two points, squeaking away with it. It won't be a blowout. They will win and move to 6-1. Do you see how much I'm doubting myself even saying these words? I actually am really struggling with this, guys. But yeah, Vikings, 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 I'm going to go for. I know why you're feeling like that, Mark, because it's been year after year of you know, misfortune for the Vikings when you think they're turning the corner. But this season, in fairness to them, they won a tight one in Wembley. Sorry, Tottenham. They won a tight one in Tottenham. Um, okay, double doink, whatever you want. But they still found a way to get over the line. They were down significantly against the Lions at home. They came back and won 28-24. They had the game won against the Bears and they let the Bears come back and get into a lead late and they went down and, and, and scored a winning touchdown. There's something different about the fact... It's a Kevin O'Connell factor, it has to be. You know, you, you, that's... They're finding ways to win these games that they used to always find ways to lose. And that's a big difference right now. Brian, I feel like I need a shower. I feel slightly dirty picking them because something's clearly going to go wrong uh, in relation are, are to we, it. Are we but full house, Colin? Are we full, full house? Full house. Michael is uh, on the Vikings as well. Cards are away, so. It's absolutely doomed, is all I can say. Um Look, if the Vikings are going to do it, and Viking fans should be getting excited because it's a weak NFC this year. So um, they've got opportunities, certainly, to not only win the NFC North and how the Packers are playing, but potentially do something very dramatic in the postseason as well. So 
We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, moving on. Another team that is, uh, you know, what a tangled web we weave when we flatter to deceive. The LA, not LA, the LV, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, are going up against the NO, the New Orleans Saints. Um, the Raiders column are two and four. Yeah, I'm still not quite sure how they're two and four. And again, don't have a better record than that, given some of the uh, throwaways they've done. We give out about the Ravens throwing away games. The Ra- Raiders definitely have as well. And the Saints obviously going through a bit of turmoil. Dennis Allen announcing uh, at the time today, on the time of recording, that uh, uh, Andy Dalton's going to be their starting quarterback with Jameis Winston benched, uh, not for health reasons, being very clear in relation to that. Um how do you break it down? And which one of these teams can then go on a run and potentially challenge in, uh, you know, as I said, an underperforming NFC this year? I, I, I don't I don't think it will be the Saints with taking advantage of that uh, NFC. I, I think th- this will be the Raiders, but it is a, a Raiders team who are leaning into Josh Jacobs uh, rather than um, the he, the pass catchers. I, I spent the summer talking about Adams and Renfro and Waller, and um, Waller apparently may play on, on Sunday, but this is all about Josh Jacobs. So his last three three games and most recently 143 yards three touchdowns average over seven yards a carry and before that 154 yards one touchdown again averaged over seven yards a carry and the game prior to that 144 yards two touchdowns and over five yards a carry um i don't know if people saw the the clip of him um telling the o-line that he's going to buy them dinner maybe tom brady should try that rather than screaming and roaring at them um they tend to be big guys um yeah, maybe motivate it, maybe motivate them rather than uh, scream and roar at them. But who knows? It seems to be working for Josh Jacobs. And for me, this is a Saints team who, even under um, Dennis Allen, have struggled a little bit against the the run this this year. Um, and for that reason, um, I'm going to say that one Derek Carr had, there's only two teams that he hasn't um he's never lost to and those are the Panthers and the Saints I'm going to say that that continues thanks to uh Josh Jacobs and the much maligned Raiders O-line the Raiders offense has played very well of late and people were kind of down on them with the Devontae Adams at the start of the season the fact he wasn't getting involved and teams were double teaming them and yeah they've gone away from you know, the Devontae Adams factor and they've leaned on the run. Last week, they had three drives of 70-plus yards or more which resulted in touchdowns. Against the Chiefs, they did two drives with 70-plus yards resulted in touchdowns. So they've been very efficient on offense, complementing with Jacobs and obviously then getting, trying to get the receivers more involved. The Saints defense last week in Arizona struggled. The week before that against a really dynamic, fairness Bengals offense, which has rebounded very well with Chase and Burrow. You know, they struggled in that game. And the way the Raiders' offense is playing at the moment, I see them struggling again in this game. And whilst it's in the Dome, it's in New Orleans, right now I don't think the Saints are going the right direction. I think the Raiders, if anybody of the two and four teams that are there in a the position can go on a run, put themselves back in the mix for a wild card at least, it's the Raiders for me. So I'm going to go with the Raiders to go to three and four this weekend. So I set it up column about the NFC, and obviously I agree. The Saints aren't going to make a run in the NFC, but the Raiders are going to make a run in the AFC. And I'm going to call it now. They're going to actually, they're going to get a wild card. I'm going to go one step further. 
you look at the rest of their schedule ahead and uh, some of the the challenges they've had earlier in the season won't be replicated. You say they're leaning into Josh Jacobs, but who else have they got? Um, Josh Jacobs has raced, run, raced, run for 633 yards this season so far. The next running back is Brandon Bolden on 29 yards. Like we talk about teams with a one-two punch, this team with a one punch at running back. And if he gets injured, all bets are off. They become completely one-dimensional, and we've seen what happens with Derek Carr in that in the past. The offensive line is incrementally getting better, and maybe Josh McDaniels in his second go-round in a head, as a head coach has learned a little something this time around, and he's actually making his team better as the season goes on instead of starting very hot and then collapsing in, in a pathetic forum as he did in his last head coach uh, stint. I actually think this Raiders team is getting better week on week. I think they should have more than enough to beat the New Orleans Saints this weekend. However, and this is where my caveat comes in, I am worried about them joining the Cowboys and the Vikings in the group of teams that you should never bet on to win or to lose because one way or the other, they will always let you down. I think they're turning a corner. I think they're going to go on a bit of a run, and I think they're going to move at least to three and four with beating the Orleans Saints this weekend. Um, Andy Dalton is not the answer. Unless it's the most Irish-looking quarterback in the NFL, Andy Dalton is never the actual answer. Colin, uh, do we have a full house on this? We do not. Michael is going for the Saints. He thinks that uh, Dennis Allen and Andy Dalton and maybe um, the sprinkling of Taysom Hill that we mentioned will get the victory. Stranger things have happened, including only last weekend in the NFL. So who knows? Michael is the lone wolf on that one. Could be proved right. Um, We're going to wrap up this segment of the podcast with just a bit of a a dash of AFC East. Um, The three and four New England Patriots, yeah, really smart, uh, are going up against the surprisingly superb and spectacular New York Jets, albeit with two absolutely key contributors now on IR in Brees Hall and Elijah Vera Tucker, their left guard. They have traded for James Robinson, but can Robinson help keep the 5-2 and two train and the playoff-bound New, Jer- New Jersey, New York Jets playoff train on track? Colm, what's your take on it? Ah, oh, this this game um, kind of so so many different ways to to look at it. Look, uh, we know now that Mac Jones will be the the starter. I am baffled, baffled by what went on the other night. I don't understand why you would pull him that quickly, um, and the way in which the fans reacted. Um, it it just means that it, it's a mess and. Mark, I know that you had opinions on um, what Bill Belichick was was doing, not naming um, an offensive coordinator. He didn't want to name a starter. I, I don't. I just don't know. I don't think that uncertainty helps anyone. Uh, the Patriots, and maybe he wants to move on from Brady and everything that was there. But the the you knew for for the best part of twenty years. You knew exactly what the Patriots were, and you knew how they were going to attack you, but you didn't know how to stop it. And that was that was the issue. 
But there's none of that now. All there is is complete uncertainty, complete chaos. And, and maybe this is Bill's way of trying to get away from what was there. So Mac is going to start, but if Mac doesn't, you know, play well through the first quarter, do they bring Zappi in again? Like, it, it, that's the uncertainty I just don't get. And that's what you used to almost have from the Jets. You had, you don't know what the, the Jets were. You don't, they, they seem to be the ones in chaos, whereas they've moved away from that. They've, they went against the Broncos last week despite losing their best player. Connor Rogers talked to us about that last night on the O-line. They're incredible young running back. Um, one of the best blocking wide receivers and a phenomenal talent, Corey Davis. They lost all of those and they still went out and beat the Broncos. Um, so to, to me, though, like where this comes down to is can the Jets do it again with the pressure that um, Bill Belichick and the Patriots will inevitably bring on Zach Wilson. He is terrible. And Sam Monson had a, a couple of really good tweets about this, about the splits between when Zach Wilson isn't under pressure or when he is under pressure. And I don't, he said he doesn't know if there has been a quarterback where there is such a differential between the two. So what teams are going to do, pressure, pressure, pressure. And can the, the Jets find a way to, to deal with that? I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots found a way to, to win. We all know what Bill thinks of the the Jets, and he does enjoy a victory. But I am going to say that Robert Sala and his new running back in uh, Robinson um, find, find a way to, to win it. I don't expect it to, to be a, a classic. I think this will be a tight divisional matchup and the Jets to just edge it. The Patriots' defense has been, for me, has played a lot better than people would give it credit for. To say maybe Mark will have a different take on it, but the two games in which they struggled the most was when they played running type quarterbacks, and that was Lamar when they played at home and they gave up 37 points, and then the 34 points last weekend to Justin Fields, who was using a similar manner. When they go up against other quarterbacks, they can hold them in check. They certainly should be in a position to hold Zach Wilson in check. But I also think it's it's so difficult. This is to me is the most difficult game of the weekend to pick. Because it's very similar on the other side. Do I see Mac Jones being in a position to do a lot against this really strong front seven of the Jets and the way the Jets are playing in the secondary with Sauce Gardner? No, I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game. And I think, genuinely, it's a field goal type of game. And would it surprise me if the Patriots win? No. Do I think James Robinson will have a much bigger role than people think? Bearing in mind, he's just got traded. Yeah, and I think I could see him hitting the ground running. I mean, we saw what he did in, in week three in... Um, in LA for for the for the uh, Jags before he was taken out of the equation, he had a huge run that night. He had he started off the season quite well. He's still a very efficient running back, so I think he can step in, not to the level of what Brees Hall was showing us, but certainly put themselves in a position where they're not having so much of a drop off. I'm gonna go with the Jets as well, and so it's, it's hard to pick against the Patriots because they've been so effective and so successful against the Jets over the years. But something is torn in this division, and we said in the off season that. We, you know, we spoke and we alluded to how well the Jets have been in the offseason, how well Joe Douglas has been in terms of stockpiling for drafts, and we felt they were going the right, in the right uh, direction. They're probably a little bit ahead of where we expect it to be, but right now it's where the season is. They win this game, they go to 6-2, and two, well in with a position in terms of being a playoff team. And, uh, yeah, it's, I'm, just, I'm finding it difficult, even, the, even though as I'm giving the pick, I'm still finding it difficult to give the pick. Jets to win a very close one. 
It, it feels like my pick on the Vikings, Brian. I see the strain you're going through in terms of trying to say the words, the Jets to win. Um, I wanted to say A2 Brute, actually, as well, when you were making your Jets pick, but I, I won't go there. Um, and it's funny. Sorry, one go more ahead. point. I just want to say it's not because it's a, I don't trust the Jets, and you know, because we've been down this road before, and that's why I don't want to pick it. I just genuinely see a scenario where this could be... If, Whoever gets the ball last type game, and they go down and kick a field goal. That's okay. It could be. It could even be a three nil game, given the uh, the potential for both defenses to shut out offenses. Um, it's it's funny. Uh, Belichick in in some ways explains the strange decision against the Bears. He did actually say in his press conference that it was always the plan that both quarterbacks would play some of the game. They knew that. That was part of the discussion with them beforehand. The reality is Belichick doesn't feel the need to explain every move he makes to the media, but he did at least indicate that that was always part of it. And on a slippy field with a quarterback coming back from injury, you can justify potentially some of it. Um, however, he's made it clear that Mac Jones is starting this weekend. Um, who knows the conversations that are going on behind the scenes as to whether or not that's got the full support. I do think after the amount he's coached in the league, he's been very clear with his team or with his quarterbacks where they stand one way or the other. But we will see, and we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. Um, this is a, a horrible situation to be in. Dreams can go bad as well, guys. I mean, you know, there are nightmares. There's Nightmare in Elm Street, there's Poltergeist, and there's William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist. And in many respects, I feel like I should be exercised for this because I can't see that the Jets are going to lose this game. Uh, their offensive line has been dominant. It kept Joe Flacco upright. It's making Zach Wilson look really good. They're busting holes in the run game. And one of the key weaknesses of the Patriots has been the run defense, uh, not only against the Bears, as we acknowledged, but also against the Packers. And yes, they shut down the Lions. And yes, there is the potential that they can embarrass Zach Wilson like they did in his rookie season with four interceptions uh, in one of the games, for example. But um, that's how the Jets can exploit this. And I think they've ultimately got a stronger offensive line. They definitely have a stronger defensive line. And if they control the trenches, they can control this game. May the Lord have mercy on my soul. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned, but I am picking the Jets to win this game this weekend. Column, that's three for the Jets. Michael, as we know, adores New England with all his heart. So are we looking at a full house? We are not looking at a full house. Michael believes that the Patriots, um, and I don't know if he knew who the starting QB was going to be, but Michael believes that Bill Belichick, uh, Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, uh, and Matt Judon will get the victory. I think Michael has fallen into this world now where if I pick against the Patriots, they'll win. Or if I he's, 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 trying to, he's trying to reverse curse it, Brian. Oh, There's definitely a absolutely. reverse curse going on here. Okay, well, gents, that brings us to the end of this segment of the podcast. Um, moving on, however, a couple of key games we're going to look at, just in a bit of a quick-fire fashion, just one of us talking on it, and uh, I'll do the usual Michael warning. One word. One word is all you're allowed to give in terms of your picks on it. Uh, Colm, you're going to kick us off last of the 5 p.m. games. The, uh, you know, 
interesting, intriguing, challenging Pittsburgh Steelers against the unbeaten, undefeated, uh, potentially invincible Philadelphia Eagles. Break it down for us and tell us how you see this game going in your view. <laughs> they're not they're not invincible, but they are a very good team with a very good quarterback going up against a Steelers team who are are massively in transition. And when we know magical Mike Tomlin, but you know, they struggle to get to opposing QBs without TJ. Um he's an enormous loss to them. And Ed Bouchette, who we have had on this program now retired after an incredible career uh, covering the Steelers, he said that this might be the worst Steelers offense he has ever seen. And as he acknowledged himself, he goes back a ways. <laughs> so um, to to me, though, for the for, I really think they have got to take the good and the bad with Kenny Pickett at the moment and, and just continue with it um, and, and see what you have. You you know Mitchell Trubisky ain't it. He's not a franchise guy. So you need to play out the season, I think, with Pickett and, and see what you have there um, and see what see what he can do. But look, the we've already talked about what the Eagles have, have done in terms of the, the trade. Um, but here, Mike Tomlin on Jalen Hurts said, I've got so much respect for him and the way he plays the position, his intangible qualities, leadership skills, prudent decision-making, prudent use of mobility. Um, he's why they have very little negativity in their offense. I love the way Mike Tomlin speaks. Um, it is very difficult to see, and I think they will get, get a, a response from him. But this Eagles team is, and Howie has done a, a magnificent job. Their biggest enemy is complacency in this game. As long as they show up, as long as they play to their ability, they should get the victory over the, the Steelers continue to be unbeaten. Eagles. Good man. Eagles. Michael also goes for? Eagles. So we all have the Eagles going to 7-0, and the Phillies are in the World Series. Big time, big times in um, Philadelphia at this moment in time. <laughs> I don't think, however, even though the Astros are in the World Series, the Texans, uh, the people of Houston are going to be as excited about the Texans, Brian. And you're always going to break down next the first the later games, the Titans at the Texans. Um Nashville might be singing after this, especially they're going up against the one-win Houston Texans side. Yeah, with all the talk of the Colts' uh, decision to drop Matt Ryan last week, it kind of got away from what I felt was a, a poor performance overall by the Titans. Like defensively, yeah, they were sound, but again, they were short, they were going against a team that's struggling offensively. But the offense for the Titans is has been erratic this season. It hasn't got going. There's no consistency there. Danahill is not having. The best of the season, and nor is Derek Henry. Like his, his yards, five hundred twenty-six yards, five touchdowns, and whilst that's really good for for a large amount of the running backs in this league, for what we've seen over over the past like course of the last four to five years, he's way down. I think he hit eighty-six last week. Of the games he's played this season, I think only with the exception of two games, he's gone over hundred yards. He's not playing to the caliber that we're used to seeing. Their highest receiver is Robert Woods, two hundred thirty yards, one touchdown. Traylon Borks is injured. He has, you know, he hasn't hit the ground running. There's been a lot put on the third round pick. Phillips, he's not really playing well. And the Titans, like sorry, the Texans have played well in a lot of games. Even last week, they were 24-20 down in the fourth quarter. And Davis Mills throws it picks it pick six. And 
I think back to the game in, in Soldier Fear when the game was late. He throws an interception to Roquan Smith and effectively wins the game. He's, he's, he's reminding me of quarterbacks that we've seen. Daniel Jones, I put into that category, where early on in their career, they play really well for methodically for three quarters. They do exactly what the head coach asks. But when the game gets to the crucial point and the game hurries up, they can't handle the pressure and they can't handle the situation. And that's what we've seen from this from this Texans team yeah, so far this season. They're getting gashed on the run. So is this the weekend that Derek Henry finally steps up? They're giving up on average 164 yards per game to running backs. And Damien Pierce has done really well for them. I could see him having another strong game, but this week could be the breakout game for Derek Henry. And for me, it's a Titans victory. And not to get too into a betting aspect, it, the line is so low. I'm, I'm asking myself, what's the what's the trick here? Why is it so low? Am I missing it? Am I missing something here? I don't see it. I think the Titans will win comfortably. Don't see it being a high-scoring game. I think they'll do enough to win the game and move on in a division that right now is theirs for, is theirs for the taking. Column. I am saying the Titans, Michael, is going Texans. Okay, I Titans for me. Okay, the last one these games are going to look at in a quick fire. Uh, I got them again, the Commanders at the Colts. And actually, when we were talking about the parts, I meant to mention uh, even Tom Landry realized that uh, QB platoons don't work. Famously, he had Craig Morton and Roger Storr back in alternate snaps. Um, and then when they lost to the Bears, he realized that doesn't really work. Put Storr back in, and they promptly won two, 10 games and won a Super Bowl that year. Um the commanders in this Colts could be thinking, well, you know, this quarterback platoon, maybe there's an option because they've both benched effectively their starting quarterback. Uh, Taylor Henneke, Tyler, Taylor Heineke, Heineke started last week, leading, leading the commanders to a surprising victory, to say the least. Um, many people speculating, could this be finally the turnaround for them? And uh, green shoots of recovery uh, for a very troubled franchise. The Colts, potentially an even more surprising news, given that they brought Matt Ryan in in the offseason, if you haven't heard it already, have announced that he is benched for the rest of the season, uh, arguably. Um, we'll see if that transpires, actually. And they've brought in Sam Ellinger. Uh, and if you're wondering what is a Sam Ellinger, I think most of the NFL are waiting this weekend. He has never thrown a competitive pass in the NFL uh, after being drafted in the sixth round. Well, Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round, so maybe that's going to be a good omen. Um, and that uh, he went to Westlake and set various high school records where actually Drew Brees and Nick Foles also went. So maybe he's going to win a Super Bowl like the two of them did. Um, there's lots of omens, hopefully. Uh, we heard earlier on uh, last night from... Um, wasn't it Connor, I think, who shared with us, or seems to be driven by ownership very heavily. Jim Mercy very unhappy with the start of the Colts' season, and he's every reason to be. They've been pretty poor. I don't know if that's down to Matt Ryan. I think it's more down to a pretty bad offensive line, although Ryan has been suffering under pass rush pressure. Guarantee you one thing, the commanders, what they do have is still a very impressive front seven especially a very impressive defensive front so um this game is hard to call because both teams have been so poor during the year that either of them could quite conceivably not turn up i actually think it's a bit of a coin flip 
I don't think going to a completely unproven quantity in Ellinger is going to suddenly kickstart the Colts' season. Um, if they could replace the offensive line with five people who've actually met each other and know how to block, that might actually help to begin with. I was pretty brutal about them in the Titans game last year, and they lived down to the expectations. Um, realistically, I could go either way, but maybe I believe a little bit more in the commanders after uh, what was, as I said, a stunning surprise victory last week. And so I'm going to go for the commanders to uh, get on a bit of a roll. Um, as they're so far behind the rest of the NFC East as it is that they'll at least uh, start to see some further shoots of recovery, especially under our mate, Mr. Heineken. Heineken, I know. Uh, Connor, uh, Connor, Colm, Brian, who have you got? One word. For, for, for me, I'm going to say, I'm going to go Colts. I'm going to say and Michael's gone Colts. Manders. We have a true 50-50. I told you it was a 50-50 game. There you go. A 50-50 split. They were perfectly, perfectly set up. Um, okay, we'll call it a break there for those quick fire rounds. And we will move on in this next segment to a real great uh, NFC West clash. Well... It would have been great in any other year for the last five or six years, but at this moment in time, it's going to feature two teams both under 500 at the moment. Mamas and Papas sang about California dreaming, and uh, these two teams are still dreaming of a Super Bowl, but that might be merely a figment of their imagination. The Niners are going into the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Column as Brian tries to resolve technical challenges there. How do you have this particular game going down? This is one where um, I suppose both, both teams have um, flattered to deceive and have disappointed for for different reasons. I, I think um, if you are the Rams, you're probably looking at it, and it's it's not so much the the injuries, but it's what's gone on, what's gone wrong with your O line, and obviously Whitworth um, isn't there. Um, they've had the issue with Cam Akers, and what is what's happening there. I mean, both of these teams, the Rams, the Rams and, and the 49ers were the last two standing for Christian McCaffrey. The 49ers were able to get him because they had the extra ammo to to do so. But it's probably a testament to both of these teams feeling, looking around the conference, um, looking at their rosters, thinking, yeah, we're capable of doing it. We, we need to make a, a big splash here. This is, is another one of those games where I, I can make a case for both of these sides winning. I, I can. The, the 49ers are still really um, beaten up. And um, the the Rams, you know, co- co- coming back, um, uh, you know, having maybe fixed things, um, they could they could get the victory. Equally, you're looking at that 49ers defense and, and you think, well, they can't have another week where, you know, they, they don't get to to the QB. Um for for me, I suppose what I would say is, eh, I've got I'm going to lean into the the Niners. I think just because the 
Aaron Donald has looked more human this year. And we've seen what the Rams have, have done. They have looked to move him around in order to try to make him more effective. Um, and, and by more human, he is still a phenomenally good player. But Aaron Donald, for you know the best part of a decade, has been superhuman. He has been completely um, un, unblockable. Um, in And he... You know, no matter what you did, you couldn't stop him. This year, losing Von Miller was huge. And what teams have, have done is they have actually double or triple team Donald and knowing that they can take him out of the game and the Rams don't have um, anything else. I'm going to say Christian McCaffrey does enough to, to win it for the Niners, but I have zero faith in uh jimmy jimmy garoppolo and uh he seems to be um you know he he knows this is his last year in uh the bay area and uh he doesn't seem to be any taking any prisoners at the podium oh god it is it is a very difficult one to 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 make an assessment on and make a proper pick i've always been quite keen on the rams in this game this game and they've always seemed to come out the wrong side and then I look at the numbers like they've won seven games in a row against the Rams um, in the regular season and then they go and lose the championship game similar enough to the Bucks and Saints Saints always have the number a couple of years ago go to playoffs the Bucks beat them and God it's difficult and I wonder where the Rams are going to be after the, the bye because we saw last year and once the bye was quite later on in the season it kind of the last two Super Bowl winners have had their boys quite late November and it's kind of played into their hands to come back to go on a run they re-energise themselves during the during the break and assess where they've been. So maybe it's not the case because the Rams are having a boy quite early in the season and they probably need it because they haven't really been doing a lot. I don't think that's going to change. I think Stafford is struggling. Michael made a point in early on in week one, in particular when we were doing our Trojan Night preview, we felt there was more to the injury than people were letting on. I'm starting to believe that could be the case. And as bad as the 49ers have been, they always find a way to win this game. Um, they'll have a huge contingent of supporters down there. So I'm with Colm. Um, I'm a bit more confident on the Rams, to be honest, than the way Colm has gone on with this game in terms of being a 50-50 toss-up, whatever way you want to proclaim it. But I think the Niners will win this game. So the the Niners are in, they're in bad shape. Like, they don't have many of their starters on defense. Their defense is more than banged up. It's in a bad, bad way. Um, their secondary... We see, I feel like we've been saying this for the last four years, including when they've made Super Bowl runs. Their secondary isn't good. Like the corners can be exploited on a regular basis. And more often than not, and we haven't always said this in the last four years, but we can definitely say this year, their offensive line is bad. Their offensive line is allowing far too much pressure through and is not creating the same push in the run game as before. They're probably the two biggest weaknesses of the offensive line, the cornerback. So obviously, what did they address in the trade deadline? They bring in Christian McCaffrey. Now, don't get me wrong. I, like anyone else, is excited about the idea of Christian McCaffrey, Carl Juszczyk, George Kittle, Brendan Ayuk, and Debo Samuel lining up in a Kyle Shanahan offense. I mean, look, quite literally, any one of the five could line up at any position in the offense, and it would be a viable construct. They are, you know, this is Swiss Army knife times, Swiss Army knife times clock times banking, et cetera, continue on the Swissing thing, theme in relation to it. I think they've got 37 cantons in Switzerland. There's probably about 37 different offensive coordination themes that Carl Shannon's come up with in the last week since he's got CMAC. 
So um, it's very exciting, but they are very flawed. The one thing that's going for them in this game isn't just their impressive record against the Rams in the regular season, though. It's every time the Rams have faced a decent pass rush, and even with their injuries, the 49ers can still get pressure on the quarterback, especially from the defensive line, uh, you know, just rushing four. They can get that pressure on. They The Rams' offensive line have wilted. They wilted against the Bills in the opener. They wilted completely against the Cowboys. And it's, it's a very simple equation. Pressure on the quarterback equals bad decisions. Pressure on the quarterback with no run game, like the Rams haven't had, equals uh, a poor offensive performance. Um I, I don't want to over-exaggerate how bad the, 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 the 49ers' injuries and position is, but it did feel like I wanted to quote uh, Whitney and Mariah uh, in their song, The Prince of Egypt, when they said they can be miracles when you believe. Uh, we're talking about dreaming and believing to this evening. I do believe. I still believe in the 49ers. I still believe in my <laughs> preseason Super Bowl pick uh, that they can somehow fix this and that Shanahan's going to weave some magic and we're going to have lots of excitement as neutral fans with the combination of all these players lined up. The only problem with that belief that I'm struggling with still is Jimmy Garoppolo. And yes, I mentioned he has two Super Bowl rings, generally to wind up Packers fans more than anyone. But um, the reality is he still is. When I mentioned about their secondary, when I mentioned about their offensive line, probably the biggest weak link of all. Um, It's a poor, poor NFC West this year and this season. I still bank on the 49ers to come out of it and they're going to start by winning this game uh, especially by putting so much pressure on Matt Stafford and the Rams I don't say it's a lock of the week or anything dramatic like that because it's not I mean there's a very viable pathway where the Rams win this game but my pick would be for the San Francisco 49ers in the Battle of California this weekend uh, Colm, what was Michael picked on this one? He differs. He says that the Rams and Sean McVay get the victory. Um, there you go. That's why we're, we're, we wouldn't want to all agree. Um, we are going to close out with two fascinating games and probably the two most exciting games in many respects of the weekend. Um, they're the most exciting because they're probably featuring the teams with the best records generally or in the category of the Sunday night football game, a team who probably we expected to have a better record, but don't. Before we get on to the Packers versus the Bills, though, let's move on to the only game. We've said it a few times. Brian, you want to keep saying it because I think you're very excited about it. The only game featuring two teams with winning records um, this season. Um, Brian Dobson and the 6-1, sorry, Brian O'Leary and the 6-1 Giants versus um, the Seattle Seahawks and Geno Smith. Who would have thunk it? Every dog has its day and all that um, because there is redemption stories galore for Daniel Jones and indeed for ex-New York Jets quarterback Geno Smith. Column, it's in Lumen Field, so it's in Seattle. The famed 12th man might appear. And Brian's prediction of the Seattle winning 12 games this season um, might well come true at some point. I know it was only nine, Brian. I'm just winding you up. Um, Colm, who have you got winning this game and why? Uh, I, we need to keep pushing that up. I, I remember Brian saying that the Seahawks would rival the 72 Dolphins. Um 
this this game is is fascinating. It really is because I think for the Giants, they are going up against the best passing offense that they have faced, and I think for the Seahawks, they are going up against the best rushing offense that they have faced. So it's kind of um, somewhat a, a clash of contrast, but equally the the Seahawks are pretty uh, good on the the ground. Look, the Giants have overperformed. This has been a coaching masterclass from Brian Dable. Look at the they, the Giants don't have a single receiver with more than 200 yards and yet they have gone out and find ways to to win. They have they've just been they've been fantastic and we talked about it on Monday's show. I I see the Giants and the Titans being very similar in that um Dable and um variable ensure their teams don't mistake don't make mistakes right you 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 coach clean you play as clean as possible and you wait on the other team to, to make mistakes and then in the the fourth quarter is kind of where you you pounce and that's where the titans have proved so effective and that's where the giants this year have proven so effective I, again, it's the NFL. I can make a case for both of these teams winning. I can make a case for the Giants going um, seven and one, you know, in terms of the Seahawks haven't been able to stop the the run. Um, You've got Saquon, you've got Daniel Jones um, with a competent staff, the design runs, he moves really well. Um, I can equally make a a case for the the Seahawks because uh, Walker and... Um, obviously losing um, DK, I think, is is a, a huge blow. And we don't know. He's not having surgery, but there doesn't seem to kind of be anything um, saying about how long he might be out. I, th- this, I, this, to me, was probably the toughest game to, to pick. I, I, I am, I'm, as I'm talking, I'm kind of going at which way I'm, I'm going to go. The, the, I, I think for the the Seahawks, I think this could be where the twelfth man re- really reemerges, right? Because they, you know, at the, at the start it was almost a novelty, right, with the way Gino was playing. But I think both of these teams were in week eight. This is neither of these teams are novelty act. These are both serious NFL teams. I'm going to say home advantage means that the Seahawks squeak it. But if you told me that the the Giants were to to win it by a touchdown, that wouldn't surprise me either. Um, it certainly does worry me when you see Geno Smith going up and down the field on teams, and he's had seventeen hundred yards, eleven touchdowns. He's by far he's second in the ratings behind Josh Allen. But then I look at the games in which he struggled, and I look at the defense in which he struggled against. Um, San Francisco in week two, he didn't do anything in that game. He was shut down. Sorry, week one as well. Broncos defense been, you know, for all the struggles, the Broncos defense has been very good to see. And he shut him down in the second half. He was shut down in week two. The Cards last week, for all their flaws, they, you know, defensively, when they went in there in the last 19-9, they shut him down for large parts of the game. The games in which he's played really well in, Falcons defense struggles, Saints defense struggle, Chargers defense struggles. And the Lions defense throws. The Giants defense right now is top six in the league. The fourth in red zone, terms of giving away touchdowns. Um, the fourth in tore downs. I can see scenarios where they, they'll put Gino in, in an uncomfortable situation. I think DK Metcalf is actually a huge loss because once the Giants have gone up against really strong running backs who have 
doing a good job of them. They find ways to settle down and take them out of the game. And then I ask where then does Seattle find a way to beat this Giants defence? I don't think they can, despite it being on the road and the crowd noise. And the one thing Giants are really efficient at is time of possession. You look at all the games, they're by and large out of each team they play. I can see them having long, methodical drives into the fourth quarter. And I'm going to go with the Giants, I think, right now, going into Seattle doesn't phase this team. Um, they could get blown out, potentially, if they don't get to Gino, but I don't see it. I think the Giants will win a close one and just about get over the line and move to 7-1. and one. Colm, who does Mike have in this one? Michael is he he is getting aboard the uh, Seahawks train and he is saying that Seattle will get the victory. The man who thought okay. I was crazy when I said they win nine games and now No no um, when you said they win twelve, Brian. It was definitely twelve. Definitely twelve. You, got a player uh, as well and I couldn't on that one. you could well be right on that one. In relation to it. You could well be. Imagine um, go, going to the playoffs and potentially having a top five pick. Um, look uh, you guys have summed up the game really well here I do think the killer is going to be the key matchup is basically Saquon I mean I would say Giants run game although Daniel Jones does feature in that run game so the Giants run game against the Seattle rush defense which um I think it's fair to say there is a question mark over still. Seattle have given up points. They have been explosive on offense, but they have given up points as well. And the reality for me is both of these teams are dreaming in many respects. I don't think if you would ask Giants fans at the start of the year, are you going to be 6-1? and one? Brian, would you have said we're going to be 6-1? and one? Of course you wouldn't. Don't even answer the question. We know the answer. I think also Seattle fans were almost giving up on the season. They were like, oh, we're in a full rebuild mode. This is a complete teardown. Guys, you're, you're a four and three. Like, I mean, this season is, is is actually well on course in relation to it, and especially with the other weaknesses in your division, indeed, in your, your conference generally as well. Um, dreams can come true. Lots of bands have written songs about dreams. You could Dreams by Fleetwood Mac, Dreams by Gabrielle, Dreams by the Cranberries, Dreams by the Cause uh, in relation to it. But only one team will be singing at the end of Sunday and the other will be living with the boulevard of broken dreams a la Green Day. And uh, the New York Giants will be sitting on the sidelines looking up at Lumen Field singing you're not singing anymore to the Seattle Seahawks fans. I uh, said it the other week. I, For the first time in six years, I can watch a New York Giants football game and actually believe they're going to win, believe they can come back from being behind, believe they're actually going to convert on third downs. It's an unusual experience. I haven't experienced it in a while. Brian, I mean, how are you feeling about it? It must be unusual for you to, to be watching a game and they're not imploding. I mean, you feeling okay? It's stressful. Certainly last Sunday in the last drive where it looks like the game has been put away and they find new, well, they found ways to leave the Jags hanging around in that last drive. It's great, let's be fair. It's it's a great story now, whether you're, if you're a Giants fan or not. The, it's, it, and we, I don't know when I think back to the day. I was thinking back to when we did the show with Jeff 
in Crow Park the week before the Super Bowl, and we were talking about the Bengals, and we talked about the fact that they came to the Super Bowl having won four games a season before that. And Jeff jokingly said, you're only pumping that up because you're hoping that's the joint scenario come next season, having won four games that season. Well, right now, right now it is the scenario. But look, we're not going to go to the Super Bowl, but it certainly looks like we could be in the playoffs. You know, what's the mark for the playoffs now, Brandon, when how poor the NFC is? Nine games to be a worker team? You, you, could have, you could have three teams out of the NFC East very comfortably going to the playoffs. Giants and Cowboys taking two of the wild cards. Well, depending on those go this weekend. You could could be. be possible. I'm assuming that the Eagles will, as I know you're very excited about Brian Go 16-0 in the regular season, um, and he's uh, you know excited about their inevitable, inexorable march to the Super Bowl. So you know, we, we look forward to that. Um, <laughs> sorry, I can't keep it up. Um, anyway, I have the Giants, so uh, uh, a fair, you know, again, a split, split decision in relation Con- to Con- that Con- one. Economist failed me. <laughs> I I talked about it on Monday Night Show. Um, you know the the I I have I have you know come to I, I apologize to Pete Carroll for everything other than USC, and I have been very impressed by what uh, the the Seahawks have done. And I just think you know maybe the tide has turned a little bit in the league. Last week we saw you know big points put up um, and. That's the way that the league has trended. I do think this will be an you know an, an intriguing matchup set. I think it'll be close. I'm just going for the Seahawks to squeak it. No, very valid points. And look, let's move on to our last game of this evening, uh, breaking down for the weekend. The big Sunday night football game. It was probably thought it's going to be an even bigger game when it was initially announced, but somehow the three and one Green Bay Packers have, uh, sorry, the Green Bay Packers have slumped to three and four overall. Um, shocking. Uh, sorry, they were three and one. They lost three in the bounce, haven't they, to the Giants, Jets, and uh, the Commanders. Three games most Packers fans would have identified at the start of the year as wins, I think to say. Most neutrals will identify it as wins for the Packers. I don't want to go through what we all four picked in those games because I think there was only one dissent on any of those games, uh, which was the last one. They go into, on a very big slump, to the 5-1 and one Buffalo Bills. Um, Colin, the alarm klaxons are sounding in Green Bay. The mood music from Aaron Rodgers is not positive uh we started the season and kind of saying like jesus Aaron rogers is the thing we've got to worry about here because the defense seems fine the run game seems fine that'll sort itself out in a few weeks and you know more power to green bakes they finally got a bit of balance it hasn't worked out like that in the last few weeks and of all the teams you want to go up to i mean bills chiefs and eagles are probably the three you wouldn't like to be visiting unfortunately they draw on the short straw this weekend in prime time yeah, but it's the NFL. All things are possible. Um, so you know, let's let's not say it is impossible or beyond the beyond the realms. Um, you know, any anything could happen. But yeah, the the Bills are you know the team you really don't want to be going up against when you consider that their their biggest weakness on defense is probably going up against WR once and. What do the Packers not have? Uh, this is, you know, this is where the the bill, uh, the Packers, this 
all of the history that's there. We know the history. But my understanding, they have never won in Buffalo. Um, and that that is telling. Um, the, this, the Bills have to do their job. And I, I, I do think it's going to be very interesting to see what the reaction from the Packers is, right? We heard um, Aaron Rodgers' comments, uh, obviously, this week. We heard his coach come out and say, yeah, he was telling the truth. And, well, sometimes the truth, truth hurts. But what was intriguing to me was last week in their game against the Commanders, Matt Snyderman tweeted that the front office, the entirety of the front office, left the booth um, with two minutes to go. Two minutes to go. Can you imagine that in any previous year in a game with Aaron Rodgers where, you know, that that is quite telling. Things are not right in Green Bay. And um, look, maybe, maybe this is, this is a story where we sit here and we look and we go, wow, the NFL, anything is possible. And where Monday is one of those stories that Aaron Rodgers suddenly, you know, led his team to, to victory. But Josh Allen and the Bills and the coaching staff, who, in fairness, we talked about, like, Brian Dable as the leading candidate, right, for Coach of the Year. They lost that talent, and yet they haven't missed a beat. That is a testament to the work that um, Sean McDermott has done there, that their GM has done there in terms of putting the foundations down. Because we know how good Brian Dable is. This isn't the case where, you know, Brian Dable has got on and you've gone, ah, well, it wasn't. You can see clearly how how good he is. But Josh Allen and the Bills are playing at an incredible level. If they, it's a, it's a bit like the Eagles. The biggest issue that they have is complacency um, because that can sometimes happen. If the Bills show up, do their jobs, they will get the victory. Um, and the Packers and Aaron Rodgers will have another week um, of answering questions. You're, you are on mute, Brian. I'm back. I'm back in business. Um, no, I'm just looking at a scenario where you could see how the, how the Packers can win this game. On Monday on the show, Colin called out the fact that they gave up on their own game in Washington last week. They had 38 yards rushing throughout the course of the game. Um, you, Colin said last week, for them to get back playing good, sound, offensive football, they need to lean on their own game. They were the most effective games, the one against the Patriots, the one against the Bears. And they've gone away from that in the, in the number of games. And it's and just it's not justified because they don't have the players right now offensively to do that. And why can't they, why can't they not recognise that and go back to what works previously? Two strong running backs. I'm not saying they're world beaters, but Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are really strong on their day. You get a good methodical drives going, you settle the crowd down, you, you, you score touchdowns, and you never know. You hit a Bills team on, on maybe in the first half who are coming off a bye. We've seen in the past teams that come off a bye and they're very slow to get going. Whatever it is about the week off, they just don't seem to get going until maybe into the second half, which would lead to the game being close. Who knows? It builds, look, I'll give you the flip side of that. The Bills haven't got the greatest of run game. But against the Chiefs two weeks ago, they ran the ball 17 times. They want to maintain some kind of consistency to the run to complement Josh Allen and the offense that they have. The Packers have essentially gone away from that. I don't see anything other than a Bills win. I don't think it'll be as high score as comfortable as people need it to believe, let it to be, it's led to be believed. I think the Packers will play a little bit better this week, but ultimately they're going up against a team that everyone thinks they're going to be inevitably in the Super Bowl come come February, if not certainly in the championship game, I don't think 
against a quarterback who's thrown 17 touchdowns already this season in Josh Allen. It's sustainable for them to go four quarters against them and come out with the right side of the, the result. Bills for me to win this game. Look, we, we need some balance. We need some positivity here. Colm, I actually just checked. I mean, I didn't believe it, but you're right. The Packers have never, ever won in Buffalo. They're 0-6 there. It's the only road location the Packers during their illustrious NFL history have never actually won in. Um, however... Packers fans, you are 13-0 and in their last 13 primetime NFL appearances. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers do show up for primetime. And I agree, Brian, they need more balance. And there is a formula they can win this game. They control the clock with the run game. They control the clock and they devote more attention to the run game. And the Bills' defense is very impressive. Do not get me wrong in any respect. They are the first-ranked defense in the NFL. I believe they were the first-ranked defense, certainly for the entirety of the 2021 season. So they are uh, an impressive unit. But potentially, if you can keep push in the run game and keep them on the back foot and keep Josh Allen off the field, that will help. The Bills can't do the same with their run game because, to be frank, even though they try and run the ball, they still rely on Josh Allen as their leading runner. Uh, during the during the game, uh, during the season, and that is not a long-term sustainable model. Other keys to the Packers potentially winning this game, it's very simple. Don't engage special teams at all. Just don't try and punt the ball in case it gets blocked. Definitely don't try returning it. Like, just let every single... Don't even try fair catching it. Just, just let it bounce. Just let it go where it lands. But don't take the risk anymore because their special teams, of course, the last couple of weeks has been an absolute liability. Um, they've been a fantastic team for the last three seasons. No team has more regular seasons wins. Um the running joke about, oh, they've already exhausted their uh, three losses for the year. Well, no, they're actually up to four now. And um, that is not where Matt LaFleur is. Not, certainly not where Aaron Rodgers wants to be. Uh, lots of social media noise and nonsense, I think, on some reports. Saying, is Aaron Rodgers trying to play his way out of Green Bay? And I think, no, the guy wants to win a Super Bowl again and everything. He's playing for the Green Bay Packers this year. You've got to believe they resolve some of that off-season drama and it is the offensive line around him. It's the inconsistency they're seeing there. It is certainly the inconsistency at receivers and he is not gelled with them. Um, and they will, I believe, still getting get better. But I must admit, every week I've kind of gone, well, you know, the Giants, yeah, they'll get over that against Jets. No, they didn't. Oh, they get over that against Commanders. No, they didn't. So what, even with all those, you know, options of positivity, Packers fans, what gives you any hope really, that they're going to suddenly turn it around against one of the best teams in the NFL. If they can control the clock in the run game, maybe. But let's just go with the win predictor on ESPN at the moment. I think he's tracking at 85% in favor of the Bills. The Bills are minus 11.5 points on the spread. I mean, these are un believable numbers in the era of well not only Matt LaFleur but just the era of Aaron Rodgers I would say it starts to feel a little bit beginning of the end maybe that's when Green Bay will turn out a performance for the ages and shock us all but for me I'm kind of in the boat as well as to while I can conceivably say it's any given Sunday conceivably can see a path for any team to win a particular game um it's very, very difficult to really go against the Bills for this game. So for me, it's the Bills, Packers to drop four in a row and fall even further behind the Vikings in the NFC North race. Uh, Colm, do we have 
a quorum and the Bills. doomed death. Yes, there. yes. There, there, there you have it. There you have it, everybody. If you're a Packers fan and you're listening to this and you're feeling a little bit depressed, the fact that all four of us have gone for the Bills should give you a small modicum of hope that the uh, inevitable Irish NFL unanimous curse has come to pass and now will doom the Bills to a surprise defeat out of the jaws of inevitable victory. Um, Brian, you anything else to wrap up in relation to that? It looks like you're dying to make a further final comment. No, no, that's it. Um, I guess we'll, we're, we're delaying our selections for the Jags-Broncos game till Sunday when the content will go out throughout the course of the weekend from London and then from Wembley over Saturday and Sunday, I believe. And then we'll be back on Monday to review another crazy weekend as we look ahead to Monday Night Football, AFC North, the Browns hosting the Cincinnati Bengals who are on a bit of a hot streak at the moment. Um, but uh, the great thing about this Packers game is for people who uh, like to stay for Sunday Night Football, it's a little bit easier this weekend because the game will commence at 12.20. Um, I don't know if it's just psychologically, it's a sim so easier to watch a game at 12.20 as opposed to waiting for a 1.20 kickoff, which is not really much of a difference, but it'll feel like that on Sunday night when we've got over the uh, the early games and then we hit 12.20. And it's a bank holiday on the Monday. Yes, trick or treating on Monday night. I cannot wait. It's going to be so, the times are so exciting. I've got my Eli Manning costume ready. I saw um, our friend license plate guys uh, one was uh, delivered today. He's dressing up as Eli. We're both in sync for Monday. We have our footballs, our helmets. Oh, good. oh I, never mind the children dressing up. I'm ready to go. Well, Hopefully. I... I, I can't wait to see if Russell Wilson goes trick-or-treating on the plane home uh, to Denver on uh, Sunday night into Monday morning, given what he got up to on the way over. Um, so it'll be very interesting. That might uh, want to, to sorry, keep sorry, what did he what did he get up to on the way over? Have, Mark, have you lived in, in a cave? This was the, the talk of social media <laughs> earlier. Ru- Russell, while the other players were sleeping, spent uh, a couple of hours watching a uh, film. Um, Four hours. Uh, and yeah, but no, he started off. So he oh. watched a couple of hours of film. The others went to sleep. Then he spent four hours stretching, doing high kicks, moving up and down the, the aisle. Um, and then he watched some more. Uh, he slept for an hour. He watched some more film. They landed in uh, London. I don't know how you missed this, Mark. This was the biggest talking point on the um, on the Twitter machine, as Vincent Brown would, would say. And the, 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 the memification um, uh, of it over the past number of hours has been spectacular. But plenty to look forward to uh, in the, the week eight action. And as Brian says, we will be back on Monday night. Absolutely. Brian's got the Eli helmet pack for Halloween. Colm has the signed orange boxes by Steve Atwater and his toothbrush ready for the trip to London. We will be back with you next week, everyone. Enjoy Thursday Night Football. Enjoy, as always, the weekend of games. And enjoy telling us when we get things wrong. Even sometimes when we get things right. Maybe sometimes. That'd be nice as well. All right. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. See you all then.